If you have your Bible, will you turn with me to Matthew 13, verses 1 through 9. If you don't have your Bible, we'll have it on the screen behind me. So this parable is called the parable of the sower. Matthew 13, 1 through 9. It says, that same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. And great crowds gathered about him so that he got into the boat and sat down. And the, cra- the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in the parable, saying, A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Verse 8, other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Now, I want to read the scripture from the message version, and I know it's just a paraphrase, but I think it brings to light some things that I like to highlight this morning. It says, what do you make of this? A farmer planted a seed, and as he scattered the seed, some of it fell on the road, and birds ate it. Some fell in the gravel, and it sprouted quickly, but it didn't put down roots. So when the sun came up, it withered just as quickly. Some fell in the weeds. As it came up, it was strangled by the weeds. Some fell on good earth and produced a harvest beyond his wildest dreams. Are you listening to this? Really listening. I want to speak to you for the next few moments about this thought, grace to grow. Can you hear me? Would you pray with me? Lord, I thank you so much for this moment. Lord, you brought us together. You know all of our individual stories. You know our background. You know our situations. God, you even know the questions in our head and our heart as we walk through these doors this morning. God, you desire to speak to us. We open up our hearts to you this morning. Speak to us through the power of your word and empower us with the power of your spirit. We are here for you, no one else, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. So does anybody remember the Verizon commercials? Yeah? Do you remember the Verizon commercial? Okay, good. Um, where the guy would be at a bus stop, he'd be in a wind tunnel, he'd be on a mountaintop, and every place he found himself, he would say, Okay, yes, can you hear me now? And it was to convince you that Verizon had the most towers. And why was the most towers important? Because it was to ensure clear and consistent connectivity anywhere you would find yourself. So when I read this parable, that's what came to mind. Jesus was saying, can you hear me now from the thorny place? Can you hear me now? on the rocky ground? Can you hear me now on the good soil? (laughs) Thank you. Come on, you get it. Let's go. Yes. Why was he saying that? Because the seed never changes, which is the word of the gospel, but where it lands changes whether it's received. Jesus is saying a lot in this little passage. Um, And before we jump into that, I just want to start at the top. So I'm in grad school, and a lot of what we talk about is 
why books were, were kept in the canon, why some books weren't kept in the canon, and what is the Pentateuch, and why the Bible was laid out the way it was. And what I'm finding out is that there are different titles and chapters um, for modern readers so we understand where a thought ends and where a, a thought starts, right? So this parable is called the parable of the sower. It's not called the parable of the seed, and it's not called the parable of the soil, which is really interesting to me because in this passage, he spends most of his time talking about the condition of the soil, right? Yes, but we see if you look a little further, this is kind of an autobiography for Jesus. Leading up to this moment, he had um, done the Sermon on the Mount. Um, he had um, in, interacted with the rich young ruler. Um, his even his cousin, who had proclaimed, "This is the son of this is the son of God," um, was doubting and was was martyred. So this is kind of an autobiography. But if we take it from a different perspective, we also see that the sower cast the seed. It's his seed and the soil receives it. It's always the sower that initiates the process. And the sower is Jesus. Jesus knew we couldn't accomplish for ourselves hearts that be ready to receive him. So he initiated the process of laying down his life and being raised to life for our our benefit. Amen? Okay, so let's jump into the soil. The soil is the condition. The condition of the soil creates the environment that either is receptive or rejecting of the gospel. And Jesus describes four different types of soil in this passage. Let's just jump back and read it really quick. Okay, so he says that the path is where birds of the air came and devoured it. He says that the rocky ground is soil is um, soil where there wasn't much soil because of the rocks. Um, there was no depth, but when the sun came up, it scorched um, the plant that came up because there was no root and it withered away. Then it says that the thorny ground is, as the plant grew up, so did the thorns, and it choked out the plant. Then they talk about the good soil, which received the word of God and produced grain a hundred 60, 30 fold. Amen. So the path in verses 18 through 13, Jesus actually um, explains this parable to the disciples. So a lot of times Jesus kind of is like Yoda, find him, you will. And you have to ask him, (laughs) you have to ask him, what do you actually mean (laughs) by what you're saying in this? Um, And so the path is Jesus explains, when anyone hears but does not understand, it's because the evil one comes and steals it away. If we were to translate this, uh, this type of soil into modern language, I really believe that the path is a double tap without transformation. It's a retweet without redemption. Right? Think about it. We actually don't remember the pictures that we liked yesterday. (laughs) We don't remember the awesome quotes that we thought were amazing yesterday that we reposted. Five minutes after we we looked at it and thought they were awesome, we don't remember it because it, it didn't stick to us. It had no actual transformation for us. The Bible says that the seed fell the same way it fell on the stony, the thorny, and the good. But what was the difference? It didn't even have a chance to do anything because it was swept up 
by the birds of the air. We're inundated by information over and over and over again, right? We're inundated by facts, by truths. Um, But how much of that truth is actually changing our lives? I love that. Thank you. (laughs) I will take my time. Um, (laughs) How much of that truth is actually affecting our finances? How much of that truth is actually affecting our relationships? It's not. The seed never changes. It's only where it lands. And sometimes it's swept away by the birds of the air, the inundation of information without transformation. Okay, so rocks. It says there's no depth in the self. Um, Jesus explains this in verse 18 through 23. It says, a person receives it with joy and has no root and only lasts a short time when trouble or persecution comes because of the word. They quickly fall away. If we think back to John the Baptist, he was probably one of the most amazing um, men in the Bible. And yet, at the end of his life, due to persecution, he doubted even what he believed, right? And Jesus had to say, don't stumble over me. The blind see. The sick are healed. (laughs) What you believed is true. But John the Baptist had a root. He just doubted for a quick second, right? But some of us, because of um, brokenness, those can be rocks. Some of us because of insecurity. Some of us because of disillusionment, disappointment, Hurts, those are rocks in our soul that doesn't let the word of God actually take root in us, right? So I just want to use kind of a light situation. Um, This happened to me when I was working, um, and I'll just say, okay, it was really funny. So the situation was I saw one of my coworkers behaving in a certain way. Um, I was like, you know, that wasn't really nice for you to to say that about that person, and... and, um, they were like, who are you to talk, sis? And I was like, oh, wow, okay. That really made me feel like I wanted to back down from conflict, right? And we all, that all happens to us. When we talk to our parents, we talk to our, our siblings about maybe some situations that are happening in their life. And so I didn't want to respond anymore because I was like, you know what, maybe they are right. Maybe there are areas in my life, in my relating with my coworkers that isn't um, fully alive in the gospel. But that's a rocky place, right? It's persecution that tries to make you shut up and back down. And let me, I just want to give a a response for how we can respond to that if that ever happens to you in your workplace or with your family. Say, I know. (laughs) You're right. But God is pointing out things in me because he wants me to live life and life abundantly. There's a greater... um, There's a greater life that he wants me to live. And I believe he wants the same for you, right? You don't want to be stuck in the same patterns. You don't want to be doing the same thing. You want to be better. You want to be greater. So how about we hold each other accountable, right? How about we hold each other accountable and we jump on a a prayer call in the morning and we just pray and ask God to help us. Boom. (laughs) But... 
how do we get a good foundation? I don't just want to leave us there. I want to, I want to talk about a little bit about how to get a con- good foundation. Because maybe this is you. Maybe you're thinking, man, there's rocks of insecurity or offense or brokenness that really needs to be broken up in my soul. Um, and I just want to encourage you to get connected to this body of believers. Um, we're sh- we really are stronger together. Um, where you're weak, someone else is strong. When you link arms with them, they can hold you up. Get in a small group. We have Bible studies. We have Lead Well. There's so many areas to get rooted um, in our soul because the, the Bible says the sun shines on the just and the unjust. Persecution trials come to the just and the unjust. But what is the difference? The just have an anchor for their soul. Amen. Okay, so let's, the thorns, it says that they're, it's competing interests, the world. This is a person who hears the word, but the worries and the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke out the word, making it unfruitful. We all have experienced thorns, right? I'm sure somebody was coming in here rushing out of your house and you're like, if these kids won't leave me alone, um, I can't even think straight. My beeper number is on the screen to go get my kid. Those are thorns. Those are competing interests, right? Who is going to take care of my kid? Who is, um, who's going who's gonna to provide? Is this check going to be enough to last for the month? Those are real concerns, but they should never deter you from the mission of God and the promises and the purposes of God and being in his house and being connected. Um, So last condition of the soil is the good soil. The Bible says um, it's the one who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what is sown. What I love about this is it's the cooperation of God's grace and our response that produces supernatural growth and transformation. The seed never changes, it's where it lands. The seed never changes, it's where it, it, it's where it lands. So you might be saying, okay, Miata, I've identified where I am. I may be in the thorny place, I may be in the rocky place, I may be in... Um, the, the stony place, is this just another th- a to-do list that I need to join a small group, I need to get connected, and those are all good and real things, and I hope you do do them, but I want to relieve you this morning. I have the best news for you this morning. Thank God for Jesus. I'm going to say it again. Thank God for Jesus. Our response is surrender and partnership. The areas he highlights, you need to bring them to the cross in community and let the great physician bind up your broken heart. Let the great physician heal you. Let the great chain breaker break those chains. Let him set you free because it's at the foot of the cross that our healing truly begins because he initiates the process, not us. Um, Can I tell you guys a story? So um, in school, my teacher, uh, he told us a story, and I burst into tears, which you already know I'm a crier, so it wasn't that hard to to do. Um, So there's a couple in Texas. They were called by God to go to um, the mission field. For them, their mission field was the refugee camps in Turkey. Um, So if you know a little bit about what's going on um, in the world, Syrians are fleeing for their life because of the civil war, and they're going to all these different countries, and there's 
millions of them that are fleeing Syria. Um, so this couple um, decides to build an elementary school in one of the refugee camps because they know when you're displaced, a lot of things of your life is topsy-turvy, and they wanted at least for the kids to have a stable place to go and to learn. Um, so this, this elementary school happens, um, and one day the head of the elementary school gets a call from the patriarch of the Syrian Muslim family, and they say, we need to speak with you. What have you done to our daughter? She is terrified because she's like, I don't know what happened. Let me check with the teachers. She goes to meet with them at their tent. When she gets there, there's about 20 people in this little tent, um, and, and they say to her, our daughter, who is eight years old, she couldn't eat. She couldn't sleep. She was the shell of the person she was before the war. Um, and week by week, month by month, as she's been coming home from your school, I'm going to cry, um, as she's been coming home from your school, she's becoming more and more like herself before the war. And when we asked her what happened to her, she said, Jesus healed me. And the patriarch of this family says to them, okay, I'm going to cry again, um, would this Jesus heal us too? Would he come to us? Would he meet us? Would he make us unbroken? That is the power of the gospel, right? That is the power of the gospel. We can find wherever you find yourself and whatever condition you may be in, all it takes is a faith and surrendering to his will and his way. And your heart and your soul and your mind will become good soil. Your heart and your soul and your mind can become good soil. That's good news. You know, there's a quote that says, we become what we behold. So the more that we abide with Jesus, the more that we seek him, the more that we stay in his presence, we become more like him. We become whole. We become free. And the more we respond to the word of the gospel in faith, our soul becomes good soil. And the natural byproduct of the combination of the power of the seed and the good soil produces fruit. And not just fruit that helps you survive, it's fruit that helps you thrive and affect the lives of all those around you. You know, the crazy thing is that Jesus was talking to a people under occupation. The Romans had ravaged the resources of the Israelites, and what he was saying was radical. He was saying the supernatural power of the gospel hits your life of good soil and something supernatural is produced because in a good year, you probably can produce 15 fold. So Jesus was saying, when my truth hits your life, it produces double and it not only produces double, it produces triple. Now that type of crop doesn't just affect the farm, right? <laughs> It doesn't just affect that family. It affects the economy of that city and it affects the culture. Jesus was saying, if you think that that's miraculous in, in, in agriculture, imagine what I can do in you. And that's the grace to grow. 
Could you imagine people eating off of your life? And you, not just, and you having enough. Sometimes, you know, when you're in poverty, there's a scarcity mentality. You, you kind of hoard things. You keep it for yourself because you don't know what's going to happen next. Jesus, in this one parable, is breaking the poverty mentality. He's saying you're going you're gonna to not only be okay, you're going to be more than okay. Enough to be a storehouse people, to give to people. Amen. And I believe that that's where we are, church. If we would lean in to Jesus, it's already been said, it's already been prophesied that we are a storehouse church, but we can be storehouse people as well. Our families would be repaired with this type of storehouse people, storehouse church. Our neighborhoods would be safer Our city would be rocked by integrity and dignity and truth would reign instead of self-promotion and false truths. That's what I see when I see a church that is good soil, a storehouse church. It's a church that's on fire with the gospel of Christ and it's a church that's empowered by the Holy Spirit. You know, the world has it backwards. They think um, the greatest work you can do is outside of yourself, right? We build monuments, and we don't even remember the names of the people these monuments are for. Uh, they, don't impact, they don't impact our lives every single day. But our Christian life reveals to us that the greatest work is one that is finished by Christ himself in us and through us. And that's the grace of God which is heard and received and allows us to grow.